This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome. It's me, your DM, Russ Moore. And just before we get to the episode today, we had Greg Leatherman join us, who is the creator of Glitter Hearts, a new RPG which just finished its Kickstarter not too long ago. And during the episode, we say that it's not available yet, but in fact... Since we recorded it, Greg has got it up on a backer kit pre-order. So just listen to the episode and check down in the description after you're done. If Glitter Hearts has hooked you, go give it a pre-order. It's not expensive, and I'm super excited to see it when it comes out. Now, on to the episode. Welcome to dm to gm This is where we answer your questions and make you more comfortable doing what you do at the game table. I'm your Dungeon Master, Russ Moore from Dungeons & Dragons. And I'm your GM, Sean Howard from The End of Time and Other Bothers. And back with us today, a very special guest, Greg Leatherman. Hello, I am a GM DM from Very Random Encounters, a randomized podcast where we play lots of RPGs, so I have all the titles. Now, Greg, you say you randomize things. Do you randomize setting? Yes. Do you randomize game mechanic? Yes. Do you randomize players? Well, we're a set cast, but sometimes we have guests. That's cool. Do you randomize who runs the game? Yeah. Oh, geez. Do you randomize the snacks and drinks at the table? Well, we are all in separate locations. None of us are in the same state. Well, two of us are in the same state, but yes, we all eat our own things. So everything is random over at Very Random yeah. Encounters. I love it, it is. It's a, it's a trip and will make you cry probably at least once. Yes, I love it. <laughs> if a podcast can't make you cry, then what's the podcast doing? Yes, we're not doing our job. And this week, we are here for a mailbag episode, and we're super glad to have Greg here to help us answer some of these questions that people have been sending in. So as you all know, we often ask for a set format of, you know, answer these three questions, but then sometimes people send in like a simple question. And so we do all of those here in a mailbag episode. Yay! So our first question, we put out a little call saying that Greg was going to be joining us, and this one is specifically for Greg, so let's oh, no. let's kick that one off and see how it oh. goes. Uh, That's exposed. So, <laughs> so this one comes from, uh, uh, from our Discord, from uh, user Models, who has asked Greg. Wait, I want to do it. Okay. I'm going to do it in random order. Has changed system, designing, way, play games, so how? That wasn't very random. No. How about we ask it so, so that we can read it? How, uh, let, me, let me get this. Okay. So how has designing a game changed how I play games? Woo! Look at that. Random is his second language. Yeah. Play, play or run. You got that in there. But yeah, you got um, it. Not 
Like, how I like playing games is how I designed my game. Um, so what I do is I will write a set of rules, and then when I go through my rules, I will say, would I find this fun at the table? <laughs> and if my answer is no, it gets cut. And then through playtesting, like when I bump into things that I get frustrated, like, like the characters should be able to ask this or they should be able to do this and there's nothing mechanical for that, then I will fill things in. So it doesn't really change how I play or run, but it, it absolutely was designed from everything I learned in the, golly, 30 some odd years that I've been playing RPGs, that all of that was distilled into when I wrote Glitter Hearts. So all the things that I found fun, all the things that I didn't like about Pard by the Apocalypse I attempted to fix. Um, and so they sort of like, they married, they married. Like, I don't think I could have written this game 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Because, I, or, or it would be a very different game. Like, it, w- it would be, a, I would have a different sense of what I find fun, what people find interesting at the table and what I think is lacking in the world. It'd be very different. Um, but there, there, the, it's too hard to divine the, the parts. Um, but I will say that the way I like to play games, the settings that I like, the things that I find interesting go into my games. So the biggest things I'll, a uh, little pitch for glitter hearts. The biggest things of glitter hearts is, The two founding philosophies are, number one, everybody has to work together as a team. And number two, every villain, you can touch their hearts. You don't have to fight them. So back up and back up and just pitch the premise of the game. Because I was going to ask you, tell us the premise of the game and then. Uh, So so Glitter Hearts is a magical transforming heroes game, which is based off of Sailor Moon and Voltron and Power Rangers and Kill a Kill and all of those animes and shows yes. where normal human beings transform into superheroes. Um, the thing that I felt was lacking in almost every game system that exists out there is none of them almost like even in like popular D&D where you should have, um, you know, a group that plays together, four players, the interactions of them relying on each other are really small. Mm-hmm. The benefits are small. There's It's often a wasted action to help somebody. Um, and that, to me, was like, that's not how these shows work. Like, the entire point of having all four of them is that they're better together. Right. And so I really wanted to change and focus on the system of, you need to work together. Like, you get a lot of benefits from working together. And as much as we like to beat up on people, not every villain should be beat up on. Like, that is not the point of any of these. Like, the source material is always the villains are a little bit more complex and you can switch them to your side. And there are fight sequences, so that is still part of the game. But, like, the first two moves, the first two basic moves of my game is how you work together as a team and how you talk a villain into not being a villain anymore. <laughs> oh my god, I got to do this I have to do this with my table at some point. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of fun looking at it in a different light. Like, you know, I still like my beat 'em up games, but mm-hmm. as a person that has been subjected to beat 'em up things like in my real life, like I always felt like there that shouldn't be the only answer. Like right. there should be a way to circumvent combat. Um, and there is. Uh, it doesn't always work, but like it is a founding principle of my game that you should try. 
I love it. Yeah. So models, I hopefully I answered your question, and you should definitely go check out Glitter Hearts when yeah. it's available. Yeah, it's not available yet. The yep. so the Kickstarter has finished, right? Kickstarter is finished. I'm working on a way to maybe do pre-orders, but it will be for sale on Drive Through RPG, probably February of next year. That is my goal. I don't know if it's going to be closer to the beginning or end of February. We'll see. <laughs> I got a lot. Of, I got a lot to do between now and then. Uh, well, this episode's going to come out in November, so we will make sure to do a touch yeah. back with you when it does come out. Uh, Absolutely. So that, so that we can, yeah, because sounds like a blast, and I want to play it. Um, okay, let's go on to the next question. Okay, so uh, so Eli, uh, my partner and sound designer extraordinaire, uh, uh, basically said he thought he'd go through official channels. I haven't seen this till today. I guess he emailed. <laughs> yeah, it sent it to our email. Yeah, which only I check. So. Uh, okay, so Eli writes: I'm running Impulse Drive and really digging the Powered by the Apocalypse system. Um, I think I'm doing well, he says, at making up details of the world. My biggest challenges turn out to be, and they're sort of related here. So, one, improving characters. Oh, and I should add here, guys, I don't think I'm allowed to answer without getting into trouble. So, uh, I'll let you Yeah, two, we'll uh, lead it. It's okay. fine. Yeah. So, one, improving characters. The group is great about inhabiting their own characters, which is no surprise. Sean, Mike, and Christy from other brothers in the group. That's okay. It's hard keeping up with them sometimes. Um, they move so quickly that he often finds himself floundering as he tries to put himself in the shoes of someone he didn't know about two minutes ago. And then two, inventing, it's related, inventing plots and details that make sense. But he's talking specifically about those scenarios where he's playing a character. So he says, I get stalled up sometimes when I have to come up with something quickly, like a conspiracy or background details on a job for the PCs. Why is so-and-so hiring the characters anyway? How does the sciency thing X work? Okay, steal, 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 steal. <laughs> yes, that. So we are steeped in stories, and I I will say this: no player has ever cared that you're running the plot of Star Wars, because as long as you're making it your own, it's not the plot of Star Wars. It's the game that they're playing that's frighteningly similar to Star Wars, but it's still a heck of a lot of fun. Um, so where I think I used to always get caught up is like for years I couldn't run a superhero game because I'd read so many comics and I'd read seen so many shows and so many movies that to me, everything felt derivative. Like, oh, they're just going to know what this is and it's going to be ruined that is never true because where you start is and where that story ended is not where you're going to end. You mm-hmm. can start in the same place and go 380 degrees different. Like pull pull from everything. Pull from pull from the news. Like right now there's a lot going on in the news that you think this cannot be real and here it is it's real. It doesn't matter where it comes from where it, what matters is what you do with it after. And that part is easier as long as you've given yourself permission to steal, 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 steal. hundred percent. Um, and if you're concerned about in the moment decisions, like I know, you know, listening to other bothers and listening to Sean and the, you know, some of those other, uh, Mike and Christy, they, they can and do move very fast, um, in their own character interactions and wanting to 
maybe progress their own story because they run their own games and they know how, you know, things can progress. Um, but I always say to uh, newer DMs or GMs or whoever's running a game, it's okay to take a moment and take yeah. a breath. Um, you don't have to come up with an answer to that question in that moment. You're not coming up with a podcast. You're not recording it. You're not doing it. You're playing around the table for fun by yourself. And to be stalled out in a moment is okay to say, okay, look, guys, you, you, you caught me. I'm, I'm stuck. Give me a minute to come up with an answer to that. And then we can keep rolling in the moment. Um, and it's also useful to turn it around to them. Mm-hmm. Like if you're stuck in a moment and be like, you know what? I have a couple of ideas that I think are fun. What do you what do you think would happen? How do you think this person's going to react to you doing this? Like it's not bad to ask them mm-hmm. to I say, do you think like are you really doing that? How do you think that person's going to respond to that? They seem, you know, like this NPC seems really snooty. How do you think they're going to react to you coming up and being brash and horrible? Uh, and if they say, "Oh, they'll accept me because I'm well known and charming," answered. Yep. They are. They are accepting you, and you, because you're well known and charming. Or you know, you're going to have to make a dice roll for that, and I'm going to decide how how they react to you. Odds, they're charming. Evens, they hate you. Like, they hate you. Yeah. One, they find you charming. Two through ten, they hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're at my table. Yep. That's it. Uh, so what was the part about improving characters? Like So in uh yeah, inhabiting the character. So I guess it's more uh um, It's like he's playing an NPC and and it because it's like Firefly, I love it. It's such a fun game, Impulse Drive, right? Where I get to we get to play like the show that never should have ended, right? <laughs> so but it's well. like he's <laughs> is, is this where we lost Greg? <laughs> Greg is literally, as you can see, he's like powering down his computer. He's walking Lights away. Lights off. Done. <laughs> okay. So he's playing a, an NPC and then we're coming in and he's trying to like figure out what the NPC knows. Like what, is, what does the NPC say? How does he give us the next clue? I think it's like that kind of stuff. So... As frustrating as that is, that comes from experience. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to come up with a million people. And, you know, surprisingly, a lot of my NPCs through multiple games all seem frighteningly similar because yep. I pull the same, I pull from the same things in my life experiences. I pull from uh, things that I've experienced. And again, don't be afraid to pull from an already existing character that you're renaming as something else. Like um, my home game, they just were in a city that was basically bossing, say, from uh, Airbender, including brainwashed, scary tour guides. And they knew what it was. Like they knew the reference, but it was different. And I was playing, I was still playing a similar vein character, but it was different and their experience was different. They enjoyed the touchstone and they could then really buy into it because they knew this, like, I didn't have to do a lot of work fleshing it out. They knew who I was. They knew the situation immediately. It sang to them. So you can just pull from anybody and throw them in. Like, this is how my boss is to me, so this is now this character. My boss is kind of gruff and, you know, not paying attention a lot. That's this NPC. Um, And eventually you'll just get 
comfortable pulling on broad strokes. Like your NPCs start as broad strokes and the interaction whittles them down into who they are. This is a mad person. This is a sad person. This is a happy person. This is a spacey person. And that interaction whittles them down into something more complex because that's how we interact with humans. Everybody's first impressions of everybody is a broad stroke. Yeah. And then as we get to know them, we whittle it down into a point where we know that person and your NPCs can be the same broad strokes and you will whittle them down if they become important. So don't be afraid to be like, here are three adjectives, mad, uh, easily distracted, wears expensive clothing. That is all you need. And if you have a list of all those, you just look at the list. That's what this person is. And then whittle them down as an interaction goes. Like once you're in a scene and interacting with people, sometimes characters that you had a broad stroke will surprise you with how they reacted because you something in you is reacting to, to what your players are doing. And suddenly that character has a different life and it started as nobody. So start broad and whittle down as you need. Absolutely. hundred percent. Totally agree. Um, the thought of, you know, you don't know what this character knows. Um, you sit down at a table and you've got an idea of how a session is going to go. You've got kind of your plot points spread out. I'm of, I, I always believe that if you sit down, you, you know, you've got two to four hours to play. You've got encounter X, Y, Z that you want to get through. I like the NPC shell game. Like you have important information that your players need to know or need to get in order to get to the next story that is for the next session. Just move your shells around. You don't know who they're necessarily going to interact with, but you can just give them that information through another person that you didn't necessarily think they were going to go to. If it's a plot point that the characters need to know, everybody in the universe knows that plot point. And until they figure it out, and then only that person knows it. And then only that person knew it. Yeah. But literally everybody in the world knows who the villain is. Yeah. They're just not telling you. <laughs> like, it's not, it's never fun for a player to run into an NPC that knows nothing. Yeah. And it's just a dead end. Because that NPC shouldn't, if an NPC is a dead end, they shouldn't have been there. Yeah. It's just like the thing is, if a, if a, if there's a door that they have no hope getting through, it's just a wall. It's a frustrating wall. So just make it a wall. If it's an NPC that doesn't know anything, then they don't exist because they are worthless. Yeah. So I think the problem he gets into is it's interesting. And I love all this. It's been great. But like he's at a table where he's got very advanced players that are all going off and just starting conversations and making friends. And it's not related to the plot, right? It's like their own interests. And he's got them dividing right he, it's like they're 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 like more and more side campaigns happening and um so what you're and, saying and is I, you're the problem that, sean yes i am I, <laughs> yeah, and i'm like but that can be very challenging i think be. as a starting but GM. At, at the same time not everybody cares about you if you go to yeah, a party right, and try right. to talk to everybody about your interests yeah 90 of them will be like well it was nice talking to you i need to go eat something and not deal with you anymore yeah like 
the negative reaction of NPCs is valid. Like, if your players are way off in La La Land and like, I'm going to go talk to the Baron. Well, why would the Baron have any reason to talk to you? No, he's going to send You approach, the Baron guards. looks at you like, who are you? Spits on you and walks away. That is a valid interaction. Like, part of, part of being a good GM is saying no, but. Yeah. Part of good improv is saying no, but. Like, everybody's like, oh, yes, and. Well, yes, and gets you to places where nothing happens. And we aren't there. Yep. Like, no but is just as powerful. Can I go talk to that person? No. But standing over by the wall is the person who's been staring at you all night. Oh, they seem interesting. And that's your plot point. Right. Like, there is a level of reining people in. And you know, sometimes when they're off, I'm like, okay, well, you've entered the tavern, not important to the plot line, full of nobody cares about you. So let's go away from this. Like, this is not going to get you anything. Totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Russ is just blinking. Yeah. So yeah. No, another you, you thing that I find summed is- up how to rein in Sean. Just tell him no. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> but but uh, but it is interesting. Like I do have fun. I love nobody, and and I do have a lot of fun sometimes in. Okay, yes, we don't want to have a character that knows nothing, um, unless we're just trying to shut them down. But but at the same time, I think sometimes as a GM, when I started, I forgot that I my characters didn't have to know. Like yeah, I I I love saying I don't know, like, dude, I don't I don't know who that is. Um, or I mean, or if the it's opposite, like. If them not knowing is important to the plot, absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, let's say they're just off on a tangent and they're trying to find the thing. People are just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Never heard of it. Because it's not even on this planet. They're, we're jumping the gun, whatever. And you could give them hints, but then they're just going to chase so, it more. lack of knowledge is always a clue. It's a clue that players ignore, but lack of knowledge is always a clue. If nobody here has heard of that thing, you're in the wrong that is spot. the GM saying you are barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, right. Or... It's an interesting plot point. Like, everybody here should know about that thing. Nobody does. Right. Why? Why is it being covered up? Why is it hidden from these people? These people who should clearly have seen this event or seen this object or 100%. saw this person land. None of them know. Why? And that's an interesting tangent for you as well. So, like, it's another tool to say, hey, they don't know anything. Wink, wink. Something's wrong. I just played right. in a and game. And that can be also how you play that. Yeah, yeah go right. ahead, uh, I just played, I just ran a game. Um, it's just a quick one shot, um, but is where this big monstrous mechanical thing came up out of the ground and started attacking this town. And my players immediately started asking people, well, have you ever seen this thing before? Do you know why it's here? And the town didn't, the town had no clue why this thing came up and just started attacking and trying to kill people. Um, but they sure as, no, you know, asked everybody that they ran into why this thing was here. And not until they actually went to the place, went inside the machine to the cockpit, found the map that showed where this thing came from and just figured out that this thing was just it just got went off course, went through a portal and now it showed up here. And then their directive was started attacking when they stopped. Did they figure out that this thing was a random event that just happened and this town was caught in the crossfire? Um, so it was in that moment is like, well, they were, they were avoiding going because they were concerned about the power level of whatever they were running into, but using, I don't know, 
mm-hmm. from the mayor, from the barkeep, from the people running in the streets was my clue for them to say, you need to get to this thing yeah. to figure out more about the story from here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's how you play that. Right. So right. if you just play it straight up, like we don't know, we've never seen this before. And you just keep doing it. Honest, honest, honest. Yeah. Then. Or funny, like, look, guys, nobody knows. You, you know, the, you can say Zeno. But you can also play it where everyone answers in a drone-like sentence. Oh, uh, we don't know about them. You know, right. and then they go back to talking normally. Yeah. You can send so many signals right. to your table with How I don't you do know. that signal. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, if it's like nobody knows, you can say, you can skip it. Like, you talk to everybody at this party, and the general consensus is nobody has heard of this thing, which is odd. But... You, but they just simply don't know. Yeah. Like you can summarize and then move on. Like it's it's up to what you're what you find interesting at the table. Because remember, as a GM, you need to be having fun too. Yeah, if you're yeah. having fun having those small interactions, um, then have them. Then have them. If you're not though, then then wrap it up. If you're and, done with the party, right. wrap the party. Give right. them give them reason to go somewhere else. Love it. And Rocks some... fall, party dies. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move to the next question. This was good. This was good. <laughs> I hope we answered your questions, Eli. Let's let's work one more in while we have Greg here. I'm gonna mark um, this one. How done. about uh, how about this one here? Um, this one comes from Discord as well uh, from Remdius. Uh, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, Remdius. Um, but they ask or say, uh, this is kind of a bigger question, but been thinking about DMing for a first time. And I'm curious about two things. And I know most might be preference, but I'm just curious to know. First question, when DMing, do you prefer having the book in front of you or do you enjoy D&D beyond having it up? So having some reference table in front of you or just running, you know, kind of looking ahead and just going off of memory. Second part of the question is, as a first-time DM, would be doing a homebrew... Excuse me, let me rephrase that. The question. Homebrew or adventure? Second part of the question, homebrew or picking a pre-done module or one-shot adventure? First part of the question, do you like having the book in front of you as a first-time DM? Yes. I love having the book. I always had the book. I still have the book. I know almost all the rules by heart. I still have the book because I do not have every spell memorized. uh, And I don't enjoy their native phone app for D&D Beyond. And I don't have a laptop. So I always have the books. Uh, So I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons forever. And I don't remember everything. I have to look things up. Um, It's fine. Look, Look it up. Like... You you know, yep. if it's if you can't find it within a minute, then just make a call and say we'll come back to it. It's it's fine. But uh, I always have the books. I always have the references there because the rules were written for a reason. Yeah, uh, they're usually guiding some principle to make the game balanced. Uh, so it's good to have that in mind and and have it as a reference so you can keep you can keep everything fair because unbalanced tends to make things unfun for the persons that's on the low scale. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we're all the same. We all have the book when we're starting. Even now, I often yeah. have the book. Oh, and if you have spellcasters in your party, make sure they have a book. Yeah, Because sure it already takes the them yeah. seven hours to pick a spell without the book. Yeah. So 
Make sure yeah. there's another copy of that book for your spell yeah. cast. Um, or they have spell cards. Or, or spell they printed cards. out from the web. Yes. There's like a million fine. ways for them to yeah. get their spells. Spellcasters need to keep track of their spells. Long yes. story and short. And know what they do. Yes. Have a, have a book within arm's reach. I've got all of the books within arm's reach. I use D&D Beyond because we play primarily online just to for spells mostly, yeah. just to kind of quickly punch them in when someone says, I cast this spell. I need to know what yeah. that spell does before they start describing it um, so that I know in my mind before they finish, you know, their description of how they've, you know, cast this narratively, how this is going to play out for the NPC right. they're shooting it at or doing whatever. Yeah, and do. then you're like, you're all gagged and it's somatic, so there's a problem. Right. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. guess what? Yeah, you didn't do that. Thanks for trying. You didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> So second part, this is like the big question that's been asked before. It's a hard question. I guess just opinion. As a starting DM, would we recommend homebrew or pick a module? Yeah, and I think this deserves probably a future episode for us to really dive into it. But yeah, it's basically opinion um, and what you well, would do to dive into it. Disag- I disagree yes, that it's We opinion. have a disagreement. Yeah, we love disagreement. Good. Go. We love it. This is what we love about the show. So most games are incredibly difficult if you've never run it before, to know what a balanced encounter is. So a common thing when people are making homebrew is they attempt to follow the rules as written in the Dungeon Master's Guide, which is very much art and very little science. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is so hard to know what a good encounter is. And so if you're going to run a homebrew where you're making those encounters and you don't understand what goes into the philosophy of making an encounter, your first X sessions are going to be very frustrating for you as a DM because you will either have made a parting killing encounter or a breeze encounter without understanding that all encounters for the first three levels of D&D are both it is very swingy and completely hinged on the dice, and you will probably think you're doing something wrong. So if if you haven't just devoted your life to reading the DMG and absorbing the rules, you should run a pre-made adventure where somebody who knows what an encounter is supposed to look like makes them so that you have a better sense of, when I make my own, what does an encounter that's fun look like um the thing about pre-printed editions is often they ignore role-playing encounters because those are sort of given like they just assume everybody knows how to do role-playing encounters and they focus on the combat part which is in my opinion the difficult part because that's the thing that can actually kill your character Mm -hmm. um so if you're starting absolutely fresh and you have not scoured those books, I always say find a pre-printed one-shot one. It saves you from putting in a lot of work to find out after session one that you hate it, that you hate DMing, it's too stressful for you. Two, you get into sense of what an encounter is supposed to look like, how your players interact with count encounters. Do are they video gamers who want to kill everything? Then you need to you need to account for that. And there's a level of forgiveness when people know you're running something designed by somebody else that when an encounter goes bad, there's a level of, well, that's the way it was written. And, you know, we can sort of agree that this wasn't ideal. There's a little bit of pressure off that way. If you feel like you can take a pre-written adventure and make it your own homebrew, you can change everything about it 
and still keep all the encounters. There is inherent benefit to having somebody hold your hand the first time you're running something. Totally. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm, I personally um, am a huge proponent for running adventure modules. Um, and um, I know there's a few people on our Discord who run almost exclusively homebrew. So they're very much in that in that camp, which is totally fine. If you can make it work and you're having fun, absolutely go and do it. But if it's your first time and yeah, you just don't know or you just you, you don't know what key pieces you need, an adventure is going to give you all of those pieces yeah, uh, like, totally agree. But I just want to say, I'm like 25 years GM and more. I don't want to yeah. count. I don't want to say my age. Turning 50 this <laughs> month, dear lord. But but I I'm someone that next year. It's fine. <laughs> I've never run a module in my yep. entire life and all my DMing. So I I can't disagree with any of the advice. All valid. I must have. I probably spent two weeks planning my first campaign, writing maps and pages and pages of all this stuff that ended up never being used. Right. Uh, it was all just background. So was it a waste of time? Yes. Um, did Were there challenges because I didn't know what I was doing? Yes. But um, I'm someone that loves reading. You know, I, I dug in. I read the book for weeks. Can't disagree. Totally don't disagree. But if you're out there going, I just don't want to run a module. I'm just here to say you could homebrew it. You know, you, you'll find your way as a table. You will I mean, find so your way. It's tough because D&D has... The way encounters are built in D and D is a is D and D shows its age because people don't play in dungeons where you have eight encounters anymore. That's how almost nobody plays campaigns anymore. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that their design philosophy is you need to have six encounters in a day for people to feel taxed makes how people play modern games more difficult. It is a problem in D&D. And, and, and unless you deal with that, it, it can get very discouraging in a rules-heavy game like Dungeons & Dragons that I made this one encounter according to those rules and they breezed through it. They blew everything because it was the only encounter they had in the day. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. That's so, the problem with the encounter system of Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. And if you are going to homebrew it, you do need to be prepared more like you know, an apocalypse game where you're prepared with other little things that you can bring in. So, um, like, Power by the Apocalypse, because it is a narrative rules light system, does you don't need to run a pre thing because there's nothing in that pre thing that is all all Power by the Apocalypse games are. Here's a here's a an idea for you to run because the rest is you reacting to the players. So rules lighter games. You can no, do 100%, whatever, but I'm just saying the, that idea, that idea that having things on the side that you can pull yeah. in, because yeah, you're not going to be sure when you first start how big or bad to make the monster. You, yeah, you may kill off the party um, or you may have them breeze through and have to throw in another band of goblins around the next corner. I, you definitely, I, I don't disagree with anything said, but I'm just saying if you're out there going, oh, but I want to run homebrew, you can, but there's a lot, there are, there's a lot of learning bumps and there there's are a lot, a of, lot bumps, of rules, but a lot of rules. Take, go to DMG Guild and look up encounters. Go yeah. to like yeah. repurpose things so that you aren't, you aren't discouraging yourself right. by making things that don't work. Because while your players may have fun, it can often feel for DMs that that this thing that I wanted to feel epic felt like a kid's party. And I feel like I'm doing a bad job because I don't understand how to do these things. Um, and I think in our modern performance 
saturated most people are seeing homebrews campaigns and thinking this is the level of acting in detail that I have to bring to my game because that's what everybody's expecting. And there's a big sort of gatekeepy ugliness around running pre-made modules that I think needs to go away because some of them are really, really good. And there's nothing about pre-mades that say you can't make it your own. Oh, Russ has been running a pre-made model. How many years, Russ? A hundred, a hundred years. Um, wow! No, I not can't believe you're cheating like that. Right? Jeez. Yeah. No, uh, but yeah, no. You're you're right. Um, the first, like the first season of Dunge- Dungeons and Dragons is Rise of Tiamat. Is yeah. Is a pre-made adventure module, and does it not a great adventure? Not a FYI. No, it's it's on the it's on the full scale. Of problems. It's full of huge problems. But if you listen, wait, to, wait, are you talking you, about Rise of Tiamat or Dungeons and both? Ha! Great game. Glad you guys Believe are here. Me, I, I know, I know the designer of Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. so I get to say these things. Yeah, um, but you're right, though. There are problems in the in the adventure, um, and yep. we made it. We took what we liked from it, though, which was right. it was a lot of things, and then we put in our own personality. We put in our own story, or put in our own side things that kind of ran through it, um, and made it something more. That hopefully mm-hmm. people can then listen to and say, okay, well, if I pick up this book, I can follow along and I can see, well, they went here, here, and here, and here, but this thing is new and they did this here. You can just, you pick what you like and you throw the rest yeah. away and then use the basic structure, the skeleton of what they have given you and incorporate all the fun things that you wanted to really do at the table. Yeah, I mean, the, the pre-made ventures give you NPCs that you can pull from. It gives you an idea of what encounters are. Like, there's you can run up like it. So when I ran uh, Mythical, the Pokemon Dungeons and Dragons game, I ran Sun. Uh, what was it called? Sunwells Citadels. It was the first. The third edition, one of the greatest third edition, the only really good thing to come out of third edition was the first module they did. But I ran that. Oh, Sunless Citadel. Yeah. Yeah, Sunless Citadel. Incredible game. Yeah. But I I ran that almost word for word, and almost nobody knew that I was running that game Mm -hmm. except for like three diehard D&D fans who were like, wait a minute. (laughs) I know that setting because I changed everything inside of it. Yeah. It ran... Plot, plot, plot for point, plot, monster for monster, were all in the same places, but they are all skinned differently. Right, and so I was like, "Yeah, I'm just. I don't know if this is going to take off, so I'm just going to run this thing that I know is really good and just change it to meet the needs well, of this game." I think we'll. I think we'll all agree that being a GM or a DM is about stealing. Steal, steal, yeah. steal, 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 steal. So steal. if you're stealing from part from a module, part from your brain, part from there, part from a book, part from a movie, that is all what you have to do. We all steal, agree. Steal, steal. Yeah. Steal like, it all. The more of a framework you create. And if, if you know what I mean? So you were talking earlier about like introducing them into a world where they suddenly realize yeah. they're in an anime world and they got all the touch points, right? Like that helps, that helps you as a GM have less overhead but it because you have a lot to do, but it also helps your players immerse faster in the game. They get to be in a world they recognize. Yeah, um, and they're familiar with. I always, I always say, if you're afraid of stealing, Shakespeare never wrote an original plot. He stole every plot for every play from something earlier and made it his own. So if Shakespeare can do it, so can you. <laughs> I like that. That's a good end. There we go. That's a great end. 
Uh, so what you can do now is if we helped you, let us know. DM to GMcast at gmail.com or come join us on our Discord. We're also on Twitter. All the links are down in the description. We also want to hear your answers to our questions. Those questions are, what game genre would you like to run? What system are you familiar with? What system would you want to use? And what hurdles are stopping you from running the game beyond finding people because we, we don't have a Rolodex of people for you? But before we go, we want to give a great shout out to Greg. Greg, please give us, a, give us a pitch. Tell us everywhere we can find you and where we can find your new game Glitter Hearts, too. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at White Wing. You can find Very Random Encounters at VREcast on Twitter. Uh, you can find Very Random Encounters on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook, but I will not respond to you because um, I don't know you. Uh, you can, will be able to find Glitter Hearts uh, on Drive Through RPG when it comes out officially in February 2020. Is the sh- is where I'm shooting for that. Um, there are a couple of playthroughs of Glitter Hearts, so if you want to see the game, uh, you can watch the videos for when I ran it for Nerd Immersion on YouTube and. We in Very Random Encounters did a mini season of my game as well. So you can see how it plays and decide if you like it or not. I think you're going to like it. Yeah. Thank you for listening to dm to gm If you have questions about getting your game started, send them to us, Russ and Sean. Our email is dm to gmcast at gmail.com. You can also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at dm to gmcast You'll find all the links down in the description. In the meantime, get your game started. We'll talk to you soon. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. This season on Civilized. Or not, it's improvised, so you don't know. Party, please, no! It has to be done for the good of the children. Captain, is it Beatrix or Beatrice? I'm so confused. I'll tell you who it is. It's your mother. I have summited the mountain, and I declare this land for my own. Party, get down from the roof! Every time. I can't believe we made it into space, Beatrice. Yeah, it's been a long time coming, Al. Wait, which version are you? Um, which version are you? (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying we've been on Earth the whole time? Yeah, man, it's like just a simulation. Actually, we've been dead the whole time. Actually, this is lost. Actually, I'm lost. We only have five seconds to defuse this bomb. When, when you started saying that, or at the end of saying that? Sound of explosion. <laughs> <laughs> so join us on Civilized Season 5 for this stuff that might happen, but probably a lot of it won't. Regardless, we're back with your favorite characters doing zany things in space, and we couldn't be more pumped. We'll see you soon, listeners. Civilized Season 5 begins May 31st, 2023. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts or visit civilizedpod.com. That got weird. Because <laughs> usually they're pretty normal. <laughs> yeah.